final warning. As you come back to your seats, um, for those who uh, are normally with us, then you know that we normally are preaching through a, a book of the Bible in a sermon series. Um, but we are currently in a transition. We finished our second Corinthian series a little while ago. Uh, next week we start our Advent series um, before transitioning into Exodus in the new year. So we're looking forward to that. Um, but today we're going to have a, a, a one-off message out of Psalm 107. So if you have a Bible, then I want to encourage you, please turn to Psalm 107. And while you're turning um, there, we uh, ask you to use your imaginations for a minute just to prepare us to hear from God's Word in that psalm. I want you to imagine that rather than the year 2019, that this is the year 3019. And you happen to come across something that looks like this. You, and uh, obviously you don't know what it is. Um, so you examine it and you realize it's got two things within it. Okay, it's got a, um, well, one of these things. What's this? Oh, it's a little book. A little book full of words. And it comes with one of these things as well. So um, I guess I'm going to conclude that this is a book to read. And this must be a coaster for my coffee. Because uh, a thousand years from now we're still drinking coffee. Um, so, so that's it, coaster and nice book to read, okay? Well, what would our 2019 selves say to our future selves in that situation? Have we fully understood what, what this is? I've got, the, I've got everything, right, from in here? There's something missing, isn't there? I mean, I've got the content, I've got the words, the lyrics, but I'm missing the fact that this is not a coffee coaster. It is, a mu it contains music to put those lyrics to, to song and to express those words in a particular way, to express hearts and minds and imaginations in a way which only a song can do. And you'd be missing something if you thought you got everything you wanted to just from that little booklet. Well, as we turn to a psalm, it's important to recognize that it's in some ways there's some similarities to that song booklet within a CD case that it's intended to be more than simply words on a page. It's meant to be an expression of hearts and minds and imaginations of God's people. Um, typically, like any song, maybe expressing just one key theme, not every emotion all at once, um, but each psalm as we come to typically uh, is, it has one kind of central message, one key theme, and it's like any song, trying to express it in a way which captures our, our whole being. Now, unlike modern songs, um, where we have some allowable subjectivity to music, uh, you may like one particular type of music, one style, one way of communicating through lyrics. We all can have our own opinions and preferences. With the Psalms, it's a little different uh, because this is God's word to us. So we don't have the liberty to pick and choose which songs we're going to hold and, and apply to ourselves. God's word speaks to all of us and is intended for us to listen and to follow. Um, unfortunately, though, as I'm sure you're aware, we have lost something of the musical nature of the Psalms. We don't know the music um, that they would have been put to if they were put to music. There's other aspects of the fact that they're a song which are lost simply in translating to English. There's a lot of poetry and, and poetic um, characteristics within Hebrew that we don't see in our English Bibles. 
But it's important for us to hold that in the back of our minds as we turn to a psalm this morning to recognize the nature of what we're dealing with. This isn't something simply for us to understand and, and think about in terms of uh, mere academic application. This is something that is meant to grip our hearts and understand what we are to express before God as he guides us with his word. So turn to Psalm 107, and the words will be projected on the screen as well. And, and hopefully you'll hear that and remember that as we go through it about how this is a means of um, expressing uh, our human experience, our expressions, and coming alongside God's truth as it speaks into that experience. And given the season that we're in, I wanted to pick Psalm 107 because of its theme and focus on thanksgiving um, to help us and think about this subject, important subject, um, for this time of year. So follow along with me as I read Psalm 107 um, and, and listen, like you would with any song, listen for certain things like direct repetition and listen for the key themes that the author has put into this psalm. So follow along with me. Psalm 107. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble, and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, and from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty, their souls fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down and with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts in two the bars of iron. Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. They cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them, and delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves on the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wits' end. They cried to the Lord in their trouble, 
and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people, and praise him in the assembly of the elders. He turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground, and a fruitful land into a salty waste because of the evil of its inhabitants. He turns a desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water. And there he lets the hungry dwell, and they establish a city to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield. By his blessing they multiply greatly, and he does not let their livestock diminish. When they are diminished and brought low through oppression, evil, and sorrow, he pours contempt on princes and makes them wander in trackless wastes. But he raises up the needy out of affliction and makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad, and all wickedness shuts its mouth. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this song of praise and thanksgiving to you, and I pray that this morning you would help us to rightly grapple with it, sit under it, hear it afresh this morning. Help me to preach and give us all ears to hear. And may this song be our own expression of thanksgiving and praise to you for your goodness and your steadfast love. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Although there are obviously such a vast range and variety of songs, typically we come to songs that we ask questions of them to help us understand them, whether we're really aware of asking those questions or not. We just do it automatically. We ask questions like, who is this by? And not simply just who's the performer, but who is the, who's the song written to? What's their perspective um, in writing the song? Um, who is it to? Who is, it, who is the song directed towards? And what is it about? And we can ask similar questions of this psalm, Psalm 107. And as we do, we're going to see three things. That this is a song of thanksgiving for the troubled. That it's a song of thanksgiving about rescue. And it's a song of thanksgiving about the rescuer's steadfast love. And as we look at those aspects of this song, my prayer is that we see ourselves and able to sing this for, us, for ourselves as an expression of our own thanksgiving to God for our, how we have received God's steadfast love. So first of all, the first thing to notice is that this is a song of thanksgiving for the troubled. You probably saw, as we were reading through there, there's four repeating sections as we go through the song. There's four groups of people being talked about, or possibly it's four experiences by the same group of people. Each one is, is different, but they each result in a common need. The first group, in verses 4 to 9, are those who, uh, they say, some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. They're wandering in the world and lost. Nothing they do and nowhere, nowhere they go do they find leads to fruitfulness and satisfaction, but rather leads to weariness, weariness of body and weariness of soul. 
in today's world, that might look like the young person starting out on life on their own and finding themselves a little lost. No place and no people to belong to. Or maybe it's the person who is in a career which just isn't satisfying and they find no means of permanence in their career. Flitting from job to job but nowhere able to find a place that brings satisfaction. The second group in verses 10 to 16, some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, for they had rebelled against the words of God. These people, they are bound and weighed down by sin. Unlike the first group who suffered through no fault of their own, this second group experiencing they're experiencing consequences of rebelling against God and rejecting his ways, which is what the Bible calls sin. Ever since sin entered the world in the Garden of Eden, sin promises freedom and pleasures and yet delivers bondage and misery and ties us to ways that only bring continued suffering with no way or hope of escape. We're familiar with that, aren't we, in today's world? Sometimes in very dramatic and severe ways. It can be bondage in addictions, addictions to substances or pornography. But sin can, sin can bind us in other ways, perhaps less obvious, less overt, but never less destructive to ourselves and maybe those around us in having a, a critical spirit, a spirit of anger that we just don't seem to be able to shake. And oftentimes sin promises companions Sin doesn't seem so bad when others join with us in it. And yet when the God-ordained results of sin inevitably arrive, as in verse 12, we see that we are left all alone with no one to help. The third group are in verse, starting in verse 17. Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities they suffered affliction. Some are foolish because they think that they know better than our King and our Creator and go their own way and they suffer harm as a consequence. Just like the child who ignores their parents that says, don't play with that firecracker, it's not a toy. And they do so anyway and inevitably suffer the consequences. Even to the point, as verse 18 talks of, even going to the point up to the gates of death, potentially paying the ultimate consequence for our sin. The fourth and final group in verse 23, some went down to the sea in ships doing business on the great waters, speaks of a group who ventured out into the big wide world, bold and full of hope, ready to make their mark on the world, only to find that it is hostile, unpredictable and violent, and that the world rather has left its mark on them leaving them, as it says in verse 27, at wit's end, or as another translation says, all their skills are useless. All skill and effort that they hoped would set them up in life has been spent, and they've got nothing left. Now they're just left to be afraid and helpless. Maybe in a business world, maybe in their career or some sort of academic studies, they've done everything they thought they could do to make a success of it, and the world has simply beaten them up. These four groups and their different troubles, the lost in the world and the beaten by the world, and those bound in their sin and those 
suffering in their sin. They make this a universal song for the human experience and a human expression. We see that actually indicated in verse 3 when it talks about how these peoples were gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. This song applies to any and all throughout the globe. And yet out of different troubles, these four groups arrive at a common place with a common need. We saw that in each section as we read it, that they cried to the Lord in their troubles. Their paths brought them to the point of abandoning all hope of self-effort in the realization that only a supernatural work of God would be able to rescue them from their situation or from their sin. They are now at a point of putting complete reliance in God and in Him alone to save them. So as we see this psalm for ourselves this morning, the question to ask ourselves is, do you see yourself, do we see ourselves in one of these groups? either in the past or even in the present. Maybe more than one of these groups resonates with an experience that you've had or have been in. Well, God intends that to be the case. And he's written this psalm for us. And if you're a Christian this morning, then regardless of your situation, you have at least been at the point of crying out to God to rescue you from your sin. This morning, let this song be a blessed reminder to us that God isn't unaware of our troubles, nor is he above them. This psalm tells us that to come to God doesn't mean we need to pretend like we've got it all together, or that God um, is only wants us to put a bright smile on things. This psalm is a wonderful encouragement from God himself that he engages with us in our troubles, not aside from our troubles. He welcomes us and intends us to bring our troubles before him in heartfelt prayer. Maybe, though, you've, you're, you've been in one of these groups or maybe you're still in one of these groups and you've not taken that step of crying out to God for help. Perhaps it just hasn't occurred to you and this isn't all new to you. Perhaps something holds you back, though. Maybe some sense that this it's just too late, that you are beyond God's help, even God's help, and beyond his care. Well, again, hear these words of this song and let it be a spur to you and to all of us. Yes, ideally, we all want to turn to God early and promptly in our troubles. But failing that, just like the people in this song, turn to God late in your troubles. Just don't not turn to God. We can all do better in terms of responding promptly and quickly to God. But there is not a point where it is too late to turn to him. We see in this song God's patience and his willingness to be humiliated, to be our last resort. Yet he still responds to the cries to help to him. So whatever our troubles and whatever our circumstances, whether they're brought about by ourselves or just circumstances in life, cry out to God. For your own sake, cry out quickly. But failing that, at least cry out to him. This song is a song of thanksgiving for the troubled. But it is also a song of thanksgiving about rescue. Just as this, these different groups with different troubles are brought to a common place with a common need, they experience a rescue in a common way 
and yet a rescue that is tailored to their specific needs. For each group, we see in this song, God hears their cry and he delivers them out of their distress. The first group, who are wandering and lost, he leads them in a straight way in verse 7 until they reach a city to dwell in. He gives them community and then in verse 9 he satisfies the longing soul. The hungry soul he fills with good things. Not just to sustain in body but to sustain in body and soul and to fill and to satisfy. Those bound in sin receive forgiveness and freedom. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death in verse 12 and burst their bonds apart. Verse 16, he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts the bars of iron in two. He doesn't, he's, just not, he's not just a simple, clever locksmith. He can shatter the bonds that we think are unbreakable. For the foolish and hurting, we receive, we receive healing from God's word. He sent out his word and healed them in verse 20. He delivers them from their destruction. So much so that they now... Um, can be in a position of singing songs of joy to him in verse 22. And then the last group, those afraid and helpless in the world, receive peace and security. As he makes the storm still and the waves of the sea, he hushes. They were glad that the waters were quiet and he brought them to their desired haven. And he positions them so that they can now sing God's praises in the assembly of his people. Notice, too, that God's salvation, God's healing and, re and restoring, his rescuing, is not just a one-off event, but they deliver ongoing benefits and blessings from God's rescue. In verse 9, he satisfies the longing soul. He continues to bring satisfaction to the soul that is looking to him and satisfies them with good things. Verse 16, he shatters the doors of bronze cuts into the, the bars of iron. He continues to break bonds of sin in our lives more and more as our lives are submitted to him. So we're encouraged by the psalm not just to think of this as a one-off coming to God with our troubles, but continually coming to him and continually enjoying his rescue and his help to us in our distress. His ongoing help to the children of man and our experience of his wondrous works are intended to motivate our thanksgiving and songs of praise and joy to him as we see throughout this song. But this song of thanksgiving is about more than simply the specific ways in which God delivers and rescues his people, as wonderful of those, as those things are. The highlight and singular focus of this song, its theme, is rather the character of God that motivates him to rescue those in trouble. And that's our third point this morning. This is a song of thanksgiving about the rescuer's steadfast love. We see that in the refrain through each of the four sections. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. But we also have it summarized for us at the very beginning of the song, the outset. In verse 1 and 2 it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. Our various troubles and God's rescue points to the central theme of this song of thanksgiving, 
the steadfast love of God. Really, that's the central focus and theme of the whole Bible. The steadfast love of God, especially as it is displayed in his rescue of man from suffering and sinners from bondage and death. God demonstrates his steadfast love to his people time and time again throughout the Old Testament, especially in a very familiar pattern. God's people follow him for a season. Then they turn aside and they turn away from God and his ways. They fall into trouble and distress as a consequence of their sin. And eventually, sometimes quickly, sometimes generations later, they cry to God for mercy and help. And God rescues and he redeems his people out of his steadfast love toward them and to follow him. And then the cycle repeats itself. But we would be mistaken if we think that God's steadfast love is some sort of saccharine, kind of sugar-coated, over-sentimental love that makes him a big pushover to, uh, to us when we come to say sorry or cry out to him. God is not, God's love is not like a favorite relative who may um, turn up at the holidays and can be relied on to smother us with affection and shower us with gifts and is prone to overlook our wrongdoing. Maybe their sternest word is a, a ruffling of the hair and saying, don't get into mischief. God's love is not like that. God's love is a holy and pure love. The holy and pure love of a righteous king and a holy creator. And when his people reject him and rebel against his ways and his holiness, his, his justice demands very real and very fair and very terrible consequences. And God has saved the fullest revelation then of his steadfast love for the New Testament where we see his love revealed to us in and through his Son, whom he sent into the world to rescue people in their trouble, in their sin. And the New Testament picks up this idea that we saw in verse 2 of our song, where we're, taught, we're called for the, the redeemed of the Lord to sing God's praises. That idea of redemption continues through the New Testament. We're reading... Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, it says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. God's love for his people, his greatest desire for us is not that we are trouble-free, although he does come to our help in trouble. But his greatest desire is that we are redeemed from sin to receive forgiveness and reconciliation to him. See, the greatest trouble of all mankind is our sin toward God. It puts us into bondage to sin and into the domain of darkness under Satan. And it means that we deserve God's penalty for our sin. That we would receive an eternity of God's punishment and right wrath, wrath cut off from him in hell. And yet in Jesus, in God's very own Son, God perfectly displayed his steadfast love to us to redeem sinners from bondage to sin and to bring forgiveness, healing, and new life to all mankind. In Romans chapter, eight, chapter 5, verse 8, we read these words, 
God shows his own love to us in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And in Mark chapter 10, we read that for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. For our redemption costs a ransom. It costs the ransom of God's own Son. If you're a Christian, you've received the greatest expression of God's love and rescue from your greatest trouble when you accepted Jesus as your Savior, your Redeemer, and trusted that God is satisfied to look upon Him, upon His life, upon His death, and upon His resurrection to grant you forgiveness and to grant you freedom and new life in His place. If you're examining the Christian faith, wondering what it's all about, then first of all, I'm so glad that you are here. I recognize that you are probably well outside your comfort zone right now. So thank you for listening. But I want you to hear and understand what God would want to say to you and make very clear to you this morning, that if you're wondering what is Christianity all about, then he wants you to see his steadfast love in and through his son, Jesus Christ, and in and through his death for you, for your sins. If only you would receive that by repentance and by trusting in him, that Christ would take everything that holds you, that holds you away from God and would give you new life and freedom in his name. as well as the summary that this song gives us at the very outset in verses 1 and 2 of pointing us and reminding us and speaking of God's steadfast love, he gives us a concluding reminder as well in verse 43, right at the end of our song. It says, Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. And as we, So let me close with just a couple of words of application from those verses. All of us have known and will know a measure of the troubles within this song. Maybe you have already, maybe you, you still will. Certainly every single one of us knows the need for rescuing and God's redemption from sin. And as this song models for us, it's good to reflect on specific accounts of God's rescue and his saving grace and to give thanks to God for those. Whether it's rescue from bondage to specific sin or particular sufferings in the world let's take those experiences into our personal testimony and share them as thanksgiving and praise to God but let us also practice and apply verse 43 the wisdom that's reflected there and as we reflect on God's wondrous works to us in the specifics let us consider the steadfast love of the Lord behind us and let us, from there, reflect on God's clearest and most consistent display of steadfast love to us in and through Jesus Christ and the gospel. We're going to do that in just a minute as we celebrate communion together as well. But God wants us to turn every expression of thanksgiving to him out for his specifics into an appreciation and thanksgiving for his steadfast love to us as seen in let our thanksgiving to God be gospel-fueled and Christ-focused. If it's not, our thanksgiving will be short-lived and half-hearted. So make sure that we meditate and, as, as it says in verse 43, consider the steadfast love of the Lord in Christ.
And second point of application then, as our thanksgiving is gospel-fueled and Christ-focused, let's honor give God rightly by giving full expression to our thanksgiving as modeled in this song. Remember, these words originally came with a CD of a sort. In verse 20, uh, 32, we're called to worship God and praise him before others because of the rescue that we have received. That may be in church, as we've done this morning already. Maybe in our community groups, in our homes, in our families, as we gather together, not just on special occasions, but then certainly. But regularly, may it be a habit of us, as we gather together, let's give testimony an expression of praise to God for his goodness. And let's not give others the impression that we have it all together without being quick to give credit to God for his rescue out of specific troubles in our lives. And then the second point as well in terms of giving full expression is verse 22. We're to tell others of God's goodness and of his steadfast love. We honor God when we tell others of his desire to save them save them out of trouble if only they would turn to him and cry out in their distress invite others to receive and enjoy his steadfast love in Christ which in turn brings more glory to him and to the gospel let's take this song and apply it for ourselves and own it for ourselves as an expression of our own thanksgiving to God for his goodness and as we close let me ask, invite you to do something with me can I ask everyone I can ask the, the worship team to come forward first of all. But if I can ask everybody else to stand. Verse 2 says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. So let us together, if, I can, if you can put up one of the slides that has verse 1 on it, let's conclude our message this morning by saying together verse 1 of this psalm, because it is our testimony if we are to hear it. Let's read one, verse 1 together. O oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise that you have revealed your love to us through rescue. You have saved us from trouble of every kind, and ultimately you have saved us from sin through your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray, please help us. Help us to receive, be quick, to turn to you for the help that you offer us. Help us to turn from foolishness and sin. And when we find ourselves suffering in a world, help us to be quick to look to you. And help us to cling to you um, in the hope we have because of the gospel. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for his redemption. It came at the price of his blood. May our lives be one of thanksgiving in its fullest expression to give honor and glory to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to sing a song as we do. If I can invite the ushers to come forward. We're going to pass out the elements of communion. And as I mentioned, we want our thanksgiving to always find its fullest expression from the steadfast love of God shown to us through Christ's sacrifice for us. Communion does that. It makes it very clear to us that, that um, Christ shed his blood for us. And if you're a Christian here today, we want to invite you to participate in communion with us. Please hold on to the bread and the juice and I'll come back on up after this song to lead us in taking communion together. If you're not yet a, a believer then, as I said, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're hearing this. But I hope also it makes sense to you. It, it wouldn't make sense to take the elements yet. 
um, just to observe what's going on. And, and please do see me afterwards. We'd love to explain to you more if you have any questions as well about this. So we're going to invite the ushers to pass out the elements while we sing this song together. steadfast love to us but steadfast love that came at a price the cost of his own son Jesus Christ who gave himself willingly for us that we might know freedom and rescue from all our trouble and from our greatest trouble our rebellion and rejection of God and so let this 
partaking of communion be a, re a fresh means of God's grace to you and spurring you on and stirring up thanksgiving and joy in his salvation. We read in the, from the words of the Apostle Paul. It says, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new cup of blood. Drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's take the cup together. Father God, we thank you for your grace to us. We thank you for your son, for his sacrifice, and for his redeeming love. Renew in us, Lord, we pray, spirits of thanksgiving that overflow in every way. Give you the praise and honor that is due your name. In the name we pray. Amen. Let us sing one final song in celebration of this grace we've received.